0: Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator, and links to subscribe via your favorite networks so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive in for today's episode. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host. I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. So we are going to have a very interesting topic shared with us by a very interesting person who I've been looking to have on Business Creators Radio for oh the past couple months now. But uh, we are we have been sort of like ships passing in the night. Uh, but the fortunate thing is we've linked up and we've gotten together here and we're gonna bring you some great information on what's known as trust-based networking with a subtitle, Proven Ways to Stop Meeting and start connecting. So I have a couple of my own thoughts about networking that Some have called absolutely contrarian, and I'm probably going to run these by the person who's going to be sharing with you today to get his thoughts on it. He may tell me I'm completely off base. He may call me a visionary. He may correct me. Who knows? We're going to find out. Remember, I'm not only the host. I'm a student just like you in the front row with my pad of paper and two pens. That's a success tip, by the way, looking for the slight edge in my business. His name is Mark Given. And he has written a series of books that all begin with the phrase trust-based of which I've read a few. He's the founder of the Trust-Based Philosophy and the Trust-Based Academy and is grateful to be an Amazon number one best-selling author of nine books. Mark is a regular guest authority on national and international podcasts and radio shows from Hong Kong to London on building, maintaining and repairing trust. And in the last 15 years, He has spoken or taught at more than 1,200 programs and events and another 100 or so virtual programs for sales and service companies, leadership teams, large and small companies, associations, hotels, HR experts, colleges, real estate companies, and associations, and state and local governments. His free weekly blog, which is known as Mark's Minute, is read by thousands of people across the world every Wednesday, and Mark invites you to sign up for it, too. We are thrilled to have Mark Given with us today. So Mark Given, come on in, the weather's fine.
1: Thank you, Adam. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for for your uh, very kind introduction.
0: Well, and I got to tell you a little bit of something about that introduction. You know, reading it out loud, I'm not sure if I'm worthy to be here. And this is my show. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm willing to, you know, worthy to stand in such a luminary presence. Now, what we do here at Business Creators Radio, before we get into the main topic of what we're going to cover, is we like to go on a little journey with you as our esteemed guest. So I read off your official bio. Great stuff, as I said. Could you tell us a bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community market and audience. And if you want to start with when you were seven years old and you had a lemonade stand, your favorite color is green, you can go ahead and do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let me let me just give you the cliff notes version because all right. What what your listeners want is to to know how all of this uh, benefits them. So let me give just give you the very short so I, out of college, uh, started Ohio State University, uh, ended up landed at Elon College, uh, which is now Elon University in North Carolina. And uh, right out of college, I started a uh, in insurance for just a couple of years and then opened a retail company, which I had for uh, 20 years, started one location, grew that to 47 locations only because of. Um, you know surrounding myself with the right people that knew how to network and sell and do it properly. and so i sold that company and then got a real estate license began writing books about uh, about the strategies of success and and i i recognize that trust is the foundation of everything both in business and in life. and so what it really means for your listeners is no matter what they do, no matter where they come from, no matter what their experience, they don't have trust, uh, and if they don't know how to build, maintain, and repair trust, well, they're going to have some struggles along the way, or they're going to have tremendous joys and success. And so that's really why I'm here today, is to help people understand how to build, maintain, and repair trust. Not just the concept of it, but the science behind it. And the last thing, the very last thing, most important of all, is that trust is not just about business, because it's also about personal relationships. My wife and I've been married for 42 years. We have five wonderful children. They're all married. We have getting ready to have uh, our ninth grandchild. And uh, if they can't trust me, well, my life is kind of, my business goes down to crapper too. So, right. uh, so it's it's all about the science, not just the concept of trust, Adam, but the science of trust, how you do it, how you maintain it, and how you repair it when you mess it all up.
0: Let's just dive in with there. Dive in right there because everything with you seems like it's trust based. You've got so many books that have the word trust based in them. You have the trust based philosophy, the trust based academy. Uh, so what's awesome is you have created such ownership around trust based. So what is this science of trust? Let's start there.
1: Well, we all know what trust is. I mean, we know it when we see it. We know it when we feel it. Uh, but what what most people don't understand is that there is there's a science behind it. In other words, I'll I'll give you the very quick version. Harvard spent 15 years studying influence. They spent uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that they invested and probably millions of dollars. And one of the interesting points for your listeners and for you and me is to understand that when it comes to trust, and and of course, we're gonna talk about networking today. So let's kind of dive into that little piece, which is what they discovered was that first impression that we make when we get out there in the world and people are looking at us or they're trying to determine based on a phone call or an email whether we're trustworthy, do we have competence and care. People decide they make that decision about us in 50 milliseconds, not not in seconds or minutes or, you know, you know, the, we, we just 50 milliseconds. That's it. That's what they discovered. That was mostly face to face, eyeball to eyeball. But still, we have to consider the fact that every single thing we do and everybody we're interacting with is they, they want to know, can they can they count on us? Can they trust us from both an intellectual standpoint, but also a caring standpoint? Do we have a good heart and do we have some competence so that we're not going to harm them in some way, put ourselves above their needs? So right. that's when it comes to networking, man, is that critically important?
0: Well, yeah. Um, so I promised our listeners that I was going to run a bu- couple things by you as far as networking. You know, uh, I rate so far in the introvert side of the scale here that I actually check with meeting planners to find out when the networking is, so I cannot be there. Uh, I, (laughs) I, I exaggerate, I exaggerate, but, uh, but I, um, but, uh, to the, but the seriously, let me get to my serious point with that. I was a little bit of a, an attention getter for our audience. The serious point is that networking is not easy for me and it's not easy for about half the population. So we go into this thing and we're already halfway not wanting to be there. We're not vibed into it and we're not tuned into it and we're, using lines like so what do you do? Now uh how does that inspire trust? Because I can see why people may have concerns about networking in terms of the trust building factor. Cause it's like, you know, why am I here and why am I having these conversations and why should anybody really care one way or the other?
1: That that's a great question. So so let's go down the path and you may have more, but let's go down the path with this one. Adam, I've, you know, I've researched and looked at your site and, and what you've done with your radio show. You've had, I mean, literally hundreds of these broadcasts. And in one way or the other, you have to connect with people in two ways. One, you have to connect with them in such a way that people want to be on your show. And then secondly, you've got to at least have enough confidence and trust in somebody that they're not going to blow it if they get on your show. So right. no matter what we do, no matter where we go, even if we feel uncomfortable networking, networking is a critical part to building relationships, to building our business. And so we don't have, it's not about having a wonderful, just, um, you know, uh, expressive personality. It's about understanding that the, the importance of trust is finding the, the, the key people that you can connect with and saying the right things so that you know that they're a good fit for you. And so the the uh, the short version again is that I really teach I teach something called the pyramid of trust. And and there's four there's four levels in that. And we're really once we get beyond that 50 milliseconds and there's other pieces to that and what I call the grand opening. What you're really talking about is you struggle in the rapport section that's the next level. And in the next level of the pyramid of trust and rapport, what it's really about is learning to just ask a question that is a question that will lead somebody to not give you a yes, no answer, a closed answer, but an open answer. You become much more likable. You become uh, you, you build a, a better foundation of trust when you're a listener, not a talker. And so you don't have to be great at, at uh, talking to be a good networker. All you have to do is just Ask, ask a good question. Hey, what brings you here today? Or I was invited today by Adam to be on your show, and I see you've been on the show. Uh, I listened to some of your podcasts. How did the two of you connect? So it's really not about being just this wonderful personality, but instead being interested enough in another individual to at least show up for 15 minutes, Adam, looking for the one or two per- people that you could connect with that would help you succeed and you could help them succeed. So it's not about showing up to that event and being there for two hours. Shoot, right. you can do that in 10 minutes.
0: Wow, it's like I set up the pins, you rolled a strike. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, and what and what I love about this is, here's a story I, I tell. Uh, I belong to professional organizations here in Las Vegas. And for most of them, I have some sort of name badge and the name badge would indicate the industry that I'm in. That's just how it is with a lot of the networking organizations. Sure. So for a while, I would join these things. And the, the, the badge would always put, say, consulting or consultants. And so I'd be and have these people lean in and adjust their glasses, squint at my name tag and say, so, uh, Alan, I, I mean, Adam, uh, what kind of consulting do you do? Now, I actually had the best conversation with somebody when I looked them dead in the eye and said, What the hell does it matter? <laughs> and I took a chance that they were a kindred spirits. Sure. And they laughed when I said that because yeah. they realized that I had just gotten to the whole core of the issues with networking that we see in the environment of business. So they sure. recognized that uh, that was basically a, a friendly setup because what actually mattered in that interaction was how I could serve them.
1: Well, as it, it doesn't
0: matter as much what kind of consulting I can do. It may, means nothing until I know what it is that drives their needs, wants, uh, whatever's on their pyramid or hierarchy of needs, what have you, and how I can be of service to them as a result of what they share with me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's a big failure that many people have when they go to networking events. They uh, they show up at some program, some event, some party, some social, whatever. You know, there's a thousand different ways we can network. And the idea, their belief is, how can I go grow my business? And what you just said was, I'm more interested in finding one or two people that I really can help them. And if they win, then I win. And and so it's a complete reversal of the the attitude that most people go into networking. And that's why they fail at it, Adam, is because they go in with the wrong with the wrong intentions. They go in with how can I make more money. How can I grow my business instead of, you know, maybe there's one or two people here that I could get to know them a little bit and we would connect and there might be some way I can help them and if they win, then I win. So uh, it it is different. It's completely different. It's asking questions. Even Dale Carnegie was teaching that back in uh, in the 1940s that, uh, you know, people make decisions based on emotions. They justify those decisions with facts and you kind right. of, you, you kind of, you kind of stung them with a little emotional statement. Like, why should you care what I, what I do?
0: Well, actually, actually, actually what I said, what I said is what the hell does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but let me, let me put part two on that. I, okay. when I first became a, an entrepreneur around 2005, I went to some conference just a few months after I made that full-time jump. It might've been the national speakers association conference for all, for all I know, I cannot remember. But I just know going to the various breakout sessions and the various keynotes, what have you, and then almost every single one I ended up in, there'd be this guy who would ask a question, who would make a comment. He'd walk up to the microphone, and I can't remember his name, but every time he said his name, he would say, owner of bestboatshoes.com. That website's not even live anymore, but I remember that domain. Now, the (laughs) point being is, here we are. 15 years later, I just said, I don't remember the guy's name, but I remember that domain. Now I knew even at the time what he was doing, but I couldn't put a a phrase to it. I couldn't describe it, but now I can, is he was finding a way to be humorous about the situation and saying something that would be memorable. So I thought about that with all these name badges, said consultant on them. And I was having a bunch of what kind of consulting do you do, Adam, questions uh, with people who had absolutely no need for consulting whatsoever and probably didn't know anybody either. So I switched it to author. I had the name yeah. tags all redone. In most cases, I had to pay a fee to do it, but I was happy to do it. So now I'll say author. So now they lean in and say, what book have you written? Sure. Well, I'll tell you all day long about Groundhog Day as an event, not a business strategy.
1: Yeah, that's and by baby. the way, that's yeah. that's a lot more interesting than than the consulting. I mean, you you hit it right. Um, s- some years ago, I, I wrote this down. I'll tell you the quote in a second. But here's the point: if you're going to consult, if you're going to networking events, and you hate it, then that means you d- you don't have the right you you don't have the right strategies in place as to why you need to be there. So you need to change your your habits and so that you'll have a better success. I even, I, I wrote this, I'm not sure why I wrote it, but I said, a bad habit is like a flat tire and you can't go anywhere until you change it. And and that's kind of like what you were talking about. You can have that consultant, which is boring and and people maybe, maybe say something, but they're saying it out of kindness, not out of interest. But when right. you say author, well, that resonates differently with them because um, 80%, 70% of people, I forget the specific number, but it's a more than two thirds of adults actually want to write a book and you've written one. So now that's interesting to them.
0: Yeah. And when I made that switch, I myself was surprised and I knew it was going to, you know, improve my experience overall, but I was surprised the extent to which it did improve my experience. I mean, it made me, uh, actually almost come to enjoy it pretty much is the best way I know how how to describe it but yeah I I, to me it just and I think it's another case where I set up the pins and you roll the strike is yeah a lot of people they think about they'd like to write a book for themselves they themselves have also written the book and they're curious about other people's books they're voracious readers or they just like to be near celebrities now let me develop that last piece I have dealt with so many clients who have published their books and they all eventually come back with the same story that they couldn't believe that first time that they went to an event and spoke somewhere and people lined up wanting their autograph. Here they are, just regular old uh, ABC consultants, but they had a published book and everybody wanted an autograph copy. I remember uh, I took a couple books to a little group I belong to after I got the Groundhog book done. And I ended up having to come back to my place, get half of my stash of the books and run them back there because it turned into a book signing. (laughs) Word word got out in that little restaurant we were hanging out that I was an author and I had some books and people started waving cash around wanting to buy a copy.
1: Yeah, you know, it's I guess the fallacy of being an author is thinking that you're going to get rich off of your off of writing a book. There's not a right. lot of people that really get rich off of the book itself. But it gives you a celebrity or a, an authority as an author that you just don't have without one. So why should you write one? Well, because if you're in the business world at all, uh, writing a book is the best business card for, from a networking standpoint. It's the best business card you could ever have. People throw away business cards. People don't throw away books and they want you to sign them. So a books makes it even more valuable. You know, I who am I? Right? I mean, who's ever heard of me? There's probably nobody that will come on your show that's ever heard of me, but and yet I I have signed thousands and thousands and thousands of books for people that that just you know, they, they want to sign one. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when it gets right down to it. I mean that, and it's happened to probably all of us that are in the business world that have written a book, best business card you could ever have is to write a book best networking tool you could ever have is to meet somebody at some kind of program or event and then mail them a free copy of your book. It's powerful.
0: Yeah. And what's really amazing about the whole thing is I have entire sections of my bookshelves that are dedicated to – these are all the books written by people I know personally that have autographed them for me.
1: Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I have discovered that a lot of people that I know are building those little collections to themselves. Like you give me a book and you autographed it, I I will never throw it away.
1: Yeah. Well, isn't that funny? I mean, we just don't throw books away. What's interesting is is I look through and listen to some of the programs on your radio show too, Adam. I want you to know that if somebody that's listening right now and they're thinking, well, I've always, I've always wanted to write one, but I just, I'm afraid, or I don't know how, or what's it really take to do that. You've got people that have come on your show and talked about how you can do this. They have those tools available and, and in fact, in many cases, those tools are free. I listened to one of one of the one of the uh, the guests you had that on their on their radio show, their podcast, they had a you know a little twenty minutes on how to write a book in one day and have it published in forty eight hours. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, it's it's not. I, I spent twenty years, Adam, trying to get to the point to to write a book, and since once I finally got over that hump. Now I've I'm, I'm got my ninth one published, I've got two more coming. Uh, I've got two more coming in the trust-based uh, philosophy series, and I don't know when I'll stop. I'd, I'd love for trust-based philosophy to be like chicken soup for the soul, and I end up with, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 of them. So we'll, there's no end in sight, we'll just keep writing them until we don't have anything else to write about.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and that's great when you have a series like that, like trust-based. Uh, and I've seen other series like that where it begins with the same word or the same phrase. And they're all bound by a common thread, which in your case is the science of trust, which I think is, I think is fantastic. So, uh, you know, I'd like to – just a little bit more curious about this is – Let's say that somebody comes to you, and they want to have the traditional "Here's my business card, networking" type conversation, and they don't think to themselves that they could just look the person in the eye and say, "What the hell does it matter?" <laughs> How? I mean, let's. So, I, so let's say I come to you and I say, "So, uh, so Mike, I, I mean Mark, what uh, kind of consulting do you do?"
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. So here, I, so here I am. And I look like somebody, at least on the surface, that may need to recalibrate my reasons for networking. It's not to grow my business, so to speak. Uh, How would you recommend for your listeners or for our listeners to turn that around? What can they say to turn that around that may not be as blunt as what I said (laughs) uh, in order to make the experience more authentic for them and for their interlocutor?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, if you've got the name tag and they approach you with, so what do you consult on? It, it really would be uh, a little bit rude. I mean, with what you're saying, Adam, there's going to be some people that don't respond well to that, but then you're right. looking for a certain kind of person that does respond to that. Right, right, but, right. That's given. Other, Yeah, there are other personalities that say, oh, I could just never be that brash. I could not do that. So for those yeah. people that have that tender, kind heart, and they're peace, you know, they're peace givers, and they, they would never give that kind of response. Then obviously as a, when you're trying to build trust in a response and somebody says, well, what kind of consulting did, do you do? It would be unkind for those people to, to give anything but a, a short, brief answer. And when I say okay. that, I mean, it should not last more than about six seconds. Well, I consult on trust. I work with companies and organizations and associations on building, maintaining, repairing trust. You can say that quick, and yeah, and sentence know, fragment. Yeah, and, but some people call it a um, an elevator speech. Uh-huh. I don't really, I don't really like to do that. To me, elevator speeches are too canned. They're too, uh, you know, they're too well, they're too slick. So I just want to give a kind response that says, "Well, I work with companies, organizations, associations, and I help them build and maintain repair trust." I mean, I. Th- that may sound slick. I don't mean it to sound slick. It just needs to be sincere. And then you then you need to turn it right back around to them and say, "And I, you know, I love doing that. But what is it you love doing? Or hey, what brings you here today? Because the truth is, all they're really doing is asking a question to get an idea of what you do. And what they want more than anything is for you to turn it back around to them so they can talk. We love to hear ourselves talk. And so the, the, key, the, the key principle to answer your question, try to hit another strike would be, answer the question in just a few seconds, not more than about six. Don't go more than, if you go eight, you're going too long. You're, you're, you're now boring them. Their, their brain has shut off. They're not listening to you anymore. So you give a very simple, but you know, uh, a truthful answer, sincere answer, and then turn it right back to them and say but what brings you here or or uh, what is it that that you love doing you know i mean you don't have to say what do you do for a living you know you could say just something that's kind of gives them an opportunity because people want to talk about themselves they want to talk about their families they want to talk about their work they want to talk about what they do for fun and they love at some point to talk about where they see themselves in the future that's the more difficult one of the four, but they want to talk about, they want to talk about what they, you know, where they work, what they do for fun, their family and their future. That's what they want to talk about. So if you just lead them into those conversations, you you can not talk at all and they will love you.
0: Yeah. See that right there is, is what I find very interesting about this whole thing is how you, And and what I loved about it is it doesn't take a lot of words. In fact, the fewer words, the better. So you mentioned elevator speeches. And I myself have never been any good at that elevator speech business. It it feels so inauthentic to me, like I'm reading off a script, like I'm in a play or something like that. And that just has never worked for me. So it's actually educational to me because I never myself before thought that, well, I could just say it in a sentence fragment and turn it right around on the other person. I'm familiar with the concept of turning it around on the other person or turning it back to the other person rather and getting them to speak about themselves because people love to feel appreciated and people love to speak about themselves. And I even said earlier that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of consulting I do until I know what they need.
1: Yeah. That's right. Hey, let me give, let me give your listeners a more concrete um, way to remember this. I like concrete. yeah, it's the we call it the FORD concept, F O R D, not the car, it's just an acronym. It stands for family, occupation, recreation and dreams. And so the goal with giving that quick few second response about so that you're sincere, but the goal then would be to inflect it, you know, to turn it back, re- reflect it back on them and use the FORD concept. You would you would lead them to to respond in some way. You'd ask them a question or you would lead them with some kind of words that would have them, give them an opportunity to talk about Ford, family, occupation, recreation, or dreams. You could go down that path with them. They can talk to you for, well, it's just like what you said about, ask you about books, right? You can, all I gotta do is ask you about the next book you've ever been thinking about writing Adam, how long could we talk, right?
0: Uh, yeah, we could, we could change the topic of this interview right now. We could just discuss that.
1: <laughs> and that's the point. If we were out someplace and I know that you're an author, then all I have to do is say to you, Hey, Adam, what are you, what are you working on? I know you wrote the groundhog book. What are you working on next? Boy, I'll tell you what, you can talk to me for 30 minutes about that. And if I'm sincerely interested and, you know, listen to you, when we get done, we can walk away and you'll think that I'm the you know, the coolest person, you know, at the party and I didn't, you don't know anything about me. You just know, I asked you about your next book.
0: Yeah. And you know, that goes back to something else that people may not remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel.
1: That's right. My Angela was the one that said that you're exactly right. So yeah. And that is the truth. She was, she was the first person that ever said it. It's just one of those things that Uh, You know, make them make them feel good about themselves. And as far as networking, because that's the theme of what we're talking about today. You know, you want to be successful at networking. You don't have to be a great talker. All you have to do is think about uh, what kind of questions could you ask them relating to FORD. Man, you'll go down a path that people will love you.
0: Well, that Ford works, I guess, even if you drive a Chevy.
1: Well, it could, but the (laughs) the acronym wouldn't work as well. I'd have to think about what that works. But Ford, yeah, I I don't, you know, I'm not advocating Ford. I'm advocating the acronym.
0: Well, (laughs) at this point, I'm just being, uh, I'm just being facetious. So, um, so let's, you know, since we're dealing with again, your core thing is trust, and we've covered a bit about networking. So, what happens? when trust needs to be repaired because i i'm going to indulge a cliche here it can take a, it can take a year to build trust and a second to lose it
1: yeah amen to that so so let me give you the uh, all four levels of the pyramid of trust and the, with the highest level of repair so let me just quickly make sure that everybody understands where we're coming from on that so the first level was a grand opening that's that first impression that we set the second level is the rapport level which is how we we're, we need to be a better listener. And so we need to talk less, listen more using the Socratic method. And that's really what I've been teaching you. The third level is the maintenance stage, which is how we maintain these relationships ongoing, both personal and business. And then the fourth level, to answer your question, is the repair level. And I teach something called the RAS system in the trust-based philosophy. RAS is another acronym because people can associate, they can Remember that better, just like you could remember that website. The RAS system is four steps to building, rebuilding uh, trust when you've messed it up. R stands for recognize that you've done something wrong because whether whether we uh, whether we realize it or not, sometimes we have to be told that we hurt somebody's feelings or we did something that was not right. So we first we have to recognize, and then the A is we have to admit that we're not perfect and that we have harmed someone somebody or someone in some way some business anyway we have you know we admit that we did something wrong and then so it's r a and then s the s stands for show some sympathy or some sorrow for what you've done maybe you'll have to jump in and there might be some repayment in some way you know maybe you'll have to do some some uh, damage control emotionally or maybe you have to pay some pay some money to fix something you messed up so r a s and then the second s means that you'll stop doing it. If you really wanna repair trust and build and, and, and begin the process of healing and rebounding, you will recognize, admit, show some sorrow and sympathy, and then you will stop doing it. Nobody likes it when you say, oh, I'm sorry, I won't ever do that again. And then you go do it again. So so that's the four steps. And that's what that's the, the, the Cliff Notes version again of, of the repair level. And, and that's how you begin the process. Can't make people accept your apology. But when you go through those proper four steps, you'll begin that process of healing so that you can repair trust.
0: Well, let's uh, let's, get, let's zero in on something you said just a moment ago that has actually been a topic of conversation on other, on other episodes of this show. That phrase, I'm sorry and I won't do it again. because we're because when we do things that we weren't supposed to do when we were children and we have our our parent or guardian or authority figure hovering over us say what do you say mark i'm sorry and what else mark i'll never do it again (laughs) well how do you know you won't do it again what do you, I mean? You really think you really think that you'll never ever 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 make a mistake again? You think you might not forget that one? You might be in a situation later on where you do do that again, but it's actually not a mistake. You intended to do it for reasons well, that make sense to you at that time. I'm just putting out different possibilities. So by bringing up this whole thing of saying. I'll never do it again. I don't trust you when you say you'll never do it again. Uh, I, I will trust you. I'm just giving you my thoughts on it. I will trust you when I show that you are evolving or that you're evolving the situation to rectify or improve what's going on now. I, I mean, yeah, you might do it again. You might do it again to me. I don't know. But, uh, but what I, but what's going to build my trust is when I see your sincerity, your authenticity, and your commitment to an equitable resolution.
1: Well, I, I agree with all of that, but you've left out one important word, which is habits. When you have a habit of saying, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again, but then you continually break that promise – well, people are not gonna trust you. I mean, they just, they, they're not gonna believe you. So so as a, a child may not understand that as deeply as an adult, but, but you've experienced, we've all experienced as adult, people that have made a mistake, they recognize, they admit, they show some sympathy and they say, I will never do that again. And you really believe them because they have a habit of integrity. They have a high level of trust and you know that, hey, now that they've messed it up, I, I know I can believe that that when they say they'll never do it again, I really believe them. Now, if they do it again, now it you know now we've got we've got a habit of not being trustworthy. So I, I agree with you, Adam, to a certain level. Yeah. But when, when you have a habit of a high level of integrity, then people can say, you know what, I really believe in you that that boy we see that with companies we see that with politicians we see that out in the world all the time where somebody says well i won't do that anymore you don't believe that as far as you could throw a you know a, a house because you know they will do it again given the opportunity they'll do it again
0: there are so, there are some folks who absolutely give out that Vibe. that It makes it clear that <laughs> oh yeah, this is going to happen agree. again.
1: Yeah, uh, but yeah, but,
0: yeah what, what I'm what I'm getting at here, and this is this this what I'm throwing out there is that I don't know for sure that you're never going to do it again, and you don't know for sure that you're never going to do it again. I will believe you when you show me that you have integrity and commitment to improving the situation. That you'll make every conscientious effort to not do it again.
1: Well, and yet. I would like to believe, Adam, that you have maybe a small circle of people that you know that if they told you they would never again, that you really believe that they would never do it again.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, you know, I don't know. Some people don't have but a few people they can really trust that much. Other people have a lot of people. I mean, let me put it, let me, I guess, let me answer it this way if you surround yourself with people that you know you can trust, and they tell you that, then you can count on the fact that they will never intentionally do it again. Intentionally. And you, right. And you, can, and you can really believe that. But it's it's this is not like hitting a golf ball where you shank it and you say, Well, I never want to do that again. And then you go out on you know two holes later and you shank it. This is this is a much higher level that we're talking about. So yeah. There, there are people that I that I know in my circle. But if they told me, you know what, Mark, I I recognize I've done something wrong. I'm so sorry for what I did. You know, I need to fix this. Let's talk about how I can repair it. And you can count on the fact that I'm never going to do this again. I could tell you the names right now, the people that if they did that, I would believe them. But at the same time, Adam, I could probably give you a list of people that I could think of pretty quickly that if they said, oh, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. Yeah, I recognize and I'm sorry, I messed it up. And uh, let me let me try to figure out how to pay you back. I won't do it again. I won't. Be- I wouldn't believe that they wouldn't do it again for nothing, right? I know they're going to do it again. Correct. So I, think, yeah. I think you've got. I think you've got people in in both groups, and then in the middle, Adam, you've got people that you don't know well enough yet to know which side of the fence they're on, and so what we're always constantly doing in our lives they are trying to associate with people and put them on, on one side of the fence. I love them. I trust them. I can count on them or, you know, I, I may love them, but it's cause I have to love them, but I don't trust them. <laughs> I, I can't count on them. And right. uh, we, we've all got, we've all got those. I all have, got
0: those. I've been burned in uh, business relationships and personal relationships okay. the same way uh, where and it, it even came to the point where they knew I was giving them the benefit of a doubt, and they and they took it for granted, and then they threw it in my face and mocked me over it when they just did it to me again.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, nice. I, and I and I and I think yeah. and I
0: think that gets in the way of trust because I, most people I think have had something like that happen to them once or twice, and so hmm. it makes it more of a challenge for them to place trust in people. Because it's they've been burned before. It's like I mean, how many times do you touch the hot stove before you get the idea that maybe you shouldn't?
1: Yeah, and and so the the scary thing, uh, because I'm not a psychologist, is to recognize that you can get to the point that you've burned, you've been burned so many times that you don't, you just don't trust anybody. And I I, I hate to I hate to 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 know there are people like that, and I just I just feel for them. Because yeah. the truth is, there are a lot more good people in the world than bad. and, and But sometimes we just have, you know, we just either through bad luck or, or bad decisions, we've surrounded ourselves with people that are not trustworthy. And But the, the truth is, there are many, many, many very trustworthy people, high integrity people. And those are the people we should always be seeking, is to find the people that we can trust, we can count on, we can believe them when they say, I'll never do that again.
0: Right, right. So that was a uh, almost 10 minutes on a simple <laughs> phrase that we are taught to say when we're children that sometimes confuses the issue. And I made the point that there may be a case where uh, you would do it again, maybe not involving that person, but in a different situation. And in a different situation, it might be completely justified. Like I think of myself as being a kind, pleasant, generous person who likes to create connections, uh, but I've had to tell people to go, you know, fuck themselves once or twice. Uh, and, I, and I even say that on my show every once in a while. So the people lean in and say, oh my goodness, he just said a bad word. But what, what, but what led that situation in the first place? Everything is a situation.
1: Well, look, the and, I, and I know just, you're
0: thinking, "Oh so, my goodness, what did he just do?"
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and here's a little, show, it, not mine. <laughs> well, here's, a little,
0: here's a little thing for our listeners, um, and uh, this, and I bring this up on many episodes of the Business Creators Radio Show. We have people who tune in to see if I will insert that kind of pattern interrupt, <laughs> because we've discovered. And this is not only doing industry research and demographic research and avatar research, but actually speaking with the people who religiously tune into the Business Creators Radio Show every week or most weeks. And we've discovered the majority of people stream the audio in the background while doing something else. And you know what happens when you stream something in the background while you're doing something else? It begins to, rah, 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 yeah. to get the teacher on peanuts,
1: yeah, that's exactly so they right. Say, <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly right. We drop
0: right. something in once in a while. We don't even do it every time. But it <laughs> happens every once in a while, and uh, they're waiting yeah. for it. Is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Then when it does, what did I just miss? That must have been profound.
1: I better go back to listen I better, to that I better. Part, I, better yeah.
0: lean, I better lean in and listen to the rest of this. And uh, I better subscribe so I can get this and other episodes delivered directly to my inbox every week. Yeah. Yeah, fresh, fresh episodes delivered straight to you. So my point being is, you may even be in a situation where, yeah, I can reasonably assure you, no, Mark, I'll, I'll never do that again, in your case, but there may be another situation where I'm provoked into it by somebody else, and candidly, rational people would say they had it coming, because it is a, it can be a nasty world out there sometimes, and I'm just sharing what other folks have shared with me on the topic of trust, and on the topic of being a kind and giving person in the world.
1: So let me, let me go down the path and and give you my philosophy on this, which is Please do. you get to decide just like everybody out there listening to this show gets to decide how you want to be recognized in the world. Do you right. want to be the person that people would, if you had uh, people could trust me on your gravestone that people would not laugh, right? They would say that is absolutely true. I could trust them. I would have trusted them with the keys to my house while I was gone for a month and yeah. never thought anything about it. Or you could choose to be the other person, which is I, I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Or you could choose to be the person who's in the middle. Sometimes you can be trusted and sometimes you cannot be trusted. Now I will tell you that for the most part, what the world is seeking is the person that they could give the keys to their house to and be gone for a month. Sure. Uh, you're right. That's what they're seeking. But we all recognize the fact that there are those people in the middle and there are those people that are clear to the other side that I couldn't trust them at all because I, I don't want them to even know that I'm gone for two days, let alone not, not home for a month. Forget the keys. I just don't yeah. want to know I'm gone. So so it just kind of depends. And the only way I can answer your, your question, uh, because I believe I have the right to talk about trust, since I've written all these books about trust. You do, and you have. You get you get to decide. I mean, what kind of person do you want to be recognized that You are leaving, just like everybody, is leaving some form of legacy and what, what people will say about them and what they're going to think about them in life and in death. So my choice, Adam, is... To be the kind of person that you could trust me with the keys to your house for six months, forget a month, you know, and I'd go take care of everything that I was supposed to do, and and you know, that that you'd want to put on my tombstone, I could trust that man. But that's that's my personal choice. And I seek people just like that. And sometimes people fail, sometimes they they don't measure up, but at the same time, I'm seeking the ones that are in the middle or higher and the ones that are higher i love and the ones that are in the middle i want to love them enough so they can get to that higher level that's what i'm seeking that doesn't mean everybody that's listening has to seek that but that's yeah. certainly what i'm seeking
0: well the way yeah and the way i see that is it would be easier if you could just trust anybody to have the keys to your house because then you don't have to think about it yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean that would that would be a decision point we wouldn't have to explore if we no. knew that we could just uh trust anybody we know that we associate with that you could leave them the keys to your house for a couple of days if you needed to go out of town or something came up yep. and everything would be there when you got yep. back but see the thing is is we don't know that about our own networks which is you know, <laughs> uh, kind of an underlying thing uh, trust takes a year or possibly years <laughs> to develop and can be shattered in an instant
1: but it is something we can aspire to adam we can yes aspire it is to do that, so. <laughs>
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you all the way on on that. So, uh, you know, what I really just want to help facilitate in our time we have left together here, and we've covered this on a couple uh, other of our episodes, this is proving to be a fairly big topic in discussion forums these days, especially with everything that's going on in the world, is... How can you build trust when you're not getting to see the people in person?
1: Yeah, so uh, let's talk about personal relationships to begin with, okay? And then we'll talk about business relationships. Sure. So, from a personal standpoint, obviously, what people need more than anything is to know that you're you're there and you care. So, I'll give you a personal, a very quick personal example. My mother's ninety three years old right now. She lives in a Active adult community that's apartments, not homes. And since March, they have not been able to leave their facility because of healthcare reasons. And so, uh, and and they're with no end in sight. So we don't know when that will change. So for many, many, many months, I was not able, am not even allowed to go in and see my mother, who's 93. And I, you know, how many, how much more time has she got? So I had a choice as, you know, is her only son here in the area. Could she trust me enough to know that I would call her regularly? I would come and look through the window of her unit because she's on the ground floor and, you know, and talk talk to her on the phone. Could she trust me enough to know that she could count on me to keep some kind of uh ongoing relationship even amidst all the crazy so um obviously um you know what she wanted was important to her so the key for building trust is for me not to fail her in that area now she's not good about picking up the phone and ever calling me so it was really one-sided i had to make sure i went to see her went to call her and so on and so forth from a personal relationship from a family relationship from friendly relationships you got to find a way during difficult times to still connect. Facebook is nice, but it still won't replace a phone call. Um, you know, emails are great, but sometimes an email is not not as cool as a handwritten note that just shows up in the mail. So, from a personal standpoint, how do we build, maintain, and repair trust? Well, hopefully, we won't have to repair it at all. We just make sure we keep those relationships going even though they're very different right now than they ever have been, right? And probably in our whole lifetime. So yeah. now let's go to the business relationship. I got in the mail today. Great, great example of this. I got in the mail today something from uh, somebody that I'm a client of. So, so right. I'm their client. They mailed me a gift, <laughs> which, which was kind of silly, but it was a hat, a toboggan, and uh, with just a little note in it that said, mark just want you to know how important your business is to me now facebook message is nice a handwritten note is nice but some kind of something with a client that just says hey i haven't forgotten you and these i can't come and see you in these difficult times but i certainly have not forgotten you it wasn't i mean come on the toboggan probably cost three bucks so it wasn't it wasn't expensive but it was the point that it it so I use four words as it as it relates to business. What can I do, especially under these current circumstances, when I'm trying to build and maintain trust, what can I do to amaze, amuse, surprise, and delight? And what I've done now as a result of all of this is on my wall, you can't see this because we're on radio, but <clears throat> on my wall to my left, on a bulletin board in my office, I have a list of my 100 top business producing contacts, I have them nice. all written down, so I can look at that every single day when I'm going in or out the door. And I can, when I look at it, Adam, I cannot help but say, "What have I done for that person lately? What have I done to amaze, amuse, surprise, or delight them?" So, so That's there's good. the answer to your question. If I'm trying to build or maintain trust, I don't want to have to repair it. I just want to build it, maintain it that I've got to make sure, but with personal relationships and with business relationships, that I stay in contact and, and technology is not sufficient to make that connection. I've got to do something beyond that that, is, that, that will amaze them, amuse them, surprise them, or delight them. And if I do that, I don't have to worry about these 100 people going away. They will be right there when the world changes back and I can get back out in the world. And, you know, so I'm, I'm doing that for my clients and I, and clearly this, this uh, person I do business with is, has the same philosophy. And by the way, I'm absolutely wowed, right. That he sent me a toboggan, silly little handwritten note with a toboggan. It's out of, out of the, you know, it's such a silly thing, but man, he he just bought months and months and months of kind thoughts.
0: That is, that is very, very interesting when we think about it, uh, that it's the little toboggan that has you talking about this guy. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it just like just like bestboatshoes.com. I remember that, and it was 20 yep. years ago.
1: Yeah, it's the simple things that sometimes wow the most. It's not these big, huge things that, you know, sometimes we think we have to do something awe-inspiring. And the truth is, no, that's not really that's not really true at all. All I have to do is send a toboggan because it's starting to get cold out and I don't have a lot of hair. So that toboggan to him, Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he knows my need is what I'm saying. And he sent me some simple little thing and uh, just, you know, I it's really that simple. But if they would think those four words, amaze, amuse, surprise, and delight. And oh, by the way, you can use those same four words when it comes to your relation, your personal relationships, not just your business relationship. What have you done lately to amaze, amuse, surprise, and delight your significant other? Or in my case, my wife of 42 years.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, a very, very different way of looking at it. So, and again, sometimes it is those crazy little things. And the fact that we think about them, that we repeat them and we tell people about them, that uh, that's what builds the trust.
1: Yeah. Think of all the people that will hear and by the way, uh, the person that I'm a client of is the name is James Malincheck. So how many yeah. how many how much would James have to really spend to get that kind of advertisement with how many people will listen to this this show over the course of time and and hear the name James Malincheck? I mean, you know, he spent a couple bucks on a toboggan. And that's that's actually called buzz advertising, right? So it's the best form of advertising you can ever have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and James is a master when it comes to personal connections. And I've heard some of his stories about how he's connected with some pretty famous people and the way and and how simple it is for him to maintain those connections. I don't. I'm only paraphrasing here and if James were with us, he would probably correct me on this and he would give me the exact words. But the <laughs> gist of it is is he's found himself in many cases where you're sitting next to somebody at a networking function, at a dinner or something that was a famous person. Uh, He'd have a conversation with them and it'd say something effective, you know, I like keeping in touch with interesting people, so um, how do I reach out to you or how do I send you a gift or something along those lines. I'm not sure exactly how he would do it, but I'm just paraphrasing it to illustrate the simplicity of it. And I've met a few celebrities myself and had some friends with people that we would think of as rock stars or, or what have you. Sure. And what we have to remember is they're human beings like anybody else. They have the same types of feelings or basis for feelings as anybody else. And really what they want is to be treated as human beings.
1: That, that's exactly right. what James would teach us is that when he meets that person, he's going to listen intently to the things that they say. And when he knows he has something of value that would be beneficial to them, he extends that to them by saying, you know what? I really like staying connected with people. I've got something, and he'll tell them exactly what it is, that I think would be really helpful to you. If you'll give me your address or your email address, let me mail this to you, or let me email this to you, if that's okay with you. Well, well, nobody's going to say no to you if you have something that will help them, right? Something that they've expressed a need for, right? Maybe a something that's that's that they just don't know how to answer that question, and you've got something for them. So, James, always either has it or he knows somebody that has it yes and then then he will send it he'll get it and send it to them he'll build a connection and bam and off off you go so james james malachek is my coach and so uh you know i i just am grateful i mean he sent me a hat how many times how many other hats have i gotten this week and i can say none right (laughs) Right? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. Send people something they can use. Uh, Yeah. I've gotten, I mean, I mean, uh, and part of that involves avatar awareness. But I have just think of all the things that I've gotten as gifts that it's like I never would have asked for this and I never would have needed it. Sometimes it's the basics. Yeah, uh,
1: who doesn't? Exactly right. Who
0: doesn't need another pen? Who's not always looking for pens? I mean, I, uh, who buys boxes of 50 pens just so they'll be able to find one when they need one? So <laughs> if you throw five or six pens with your logo their way, that's five or six different exposures minimum you'll get. Who doesn't need a hat? A lot of people need hats. And if they don't need the hat themselves, they have somebody they're going to gift that right over to. Uh, same with coffee mugs. They may not need a coffee mug, but uh, they probably know somebody who would love to have one.
1: Yep, that's exactly. Right. I mean,
0: so it's the simple things. You don't have to get all over, overly creative with this. It's about the cre- cre- feeling, creating the feeling that people have, and associating that feeling with you. So we're actually at the top of the hour here. We have two minutes left and I want to give one of those to you. So uh, tell people what happens uh, if they want to reach out to you, if they're wanting to discover more about the pyramid of trust and how to involve more trust in their networking, their sales, their marketing, their business and their lives and what that looks like once they reach out.
1: Sure. Adam, all they have to do, I'm easy to find. If you just go to Mark, spelled with a K, M-A-R-K, given. yes. .com. Just mark given.com. Just markgiven.com. They will find some, some videos on there about building and maintaining repairing trust. They'll see the pyramid of trust right on there. And so they can see how, uh, you know, how it's drawn out and they can understand more of it now by listening to the show. Um, my calendar is on there. Somebody has some need. And of course, my books are on there. I will tell you that they can right now, uh, you know, and it'll probably stay this way for quite a while. They can buy my books for less money on my website than they can on Amazon. So yeah, if they yeah. go if they go to my website, markgiven.com, and I would love for them to sign up for Mark's Minute, my one minute message that goes out every Wednesday morning. And uh, that's free. And I, it, there's not a sales pitch that goes along with it. It's just a freebie. And uh, I'd love for them to do that. And so markgiven.com, and uh, sign up for Mark's Minute. It's right on the website. And you can just put your information in very quickly. And then they'll get a touch from me every week. And uh, I'd love to help them. If there's any way I can help you succeed, I just, you know, that's what I do. I'd love to help you succeed. Oh,
0: that's perfect. All right. So uh, we are at the top of the hour. Mark Given, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been an honor. And believe me, an education.
1: <laughs> thank you, Adam. All uh, right, Thank for- you listening to the show. I it. Yeah.
0: Well, um, and I'm, we're glad to have you here. And we trust our listeners. You did enjoy today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.